This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. All right. Well, hello and welcome back to the Behold podcast, everybody. My name is Sean and I have a bit of a crew today, actually, as always, the one and only Mr. Daniel Gillette. Hello, everybody. Following him up in the lineup, the the other one and only Mr. Nathan Beard. <laughs> and aren't we glad there's only one of me? <laughs> we need to come up some, with some more superlatives for these because I feel like we say just the one and only. It's hard because it's kind of the go-tos. Charlie's always like, he's really tall. And then Nathan's like, he's got a lot of kids. You know? um, but today's actually a fun bit of a curveball because we have a fourth guest here today. And some might refer to him as elder. Some might refer to him as husband. Some might even call him dad. And I hear that there may be even some that call you, actually, what do they call you? Do they call you grandpa or what do your grandkids call you? Yeah, grandpa, but usually they just abbreviate it, say papa. So it's oh. Uh, oh, easy cute. for them. Papa Devin Dodgen in the house, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your Behold podcast today. And uh, so I just uh, consider that an you, honor uh, to we, uh, uh, be welcomed we, onto this. Can guest. we call you a, a longtime listener, first time caller? You could call me a an occasional <laughs> listener and a first time. <laughs> Look at that! He's he's a man of wow. integrity too, right? He didn't didn't uh, oversell. We're going to dig into this a little bit later, but you are one who does much for the church family in various ways. Um, I know that you're probably working hard this week on the fall festival coming up. But besides that, which I'm sure is time-consuming, what else is happening in the Dodgen family of late? Uh, well, the Dodgen family uh, as a, a ministering powerhouse, well, I'll just say that because of Milda, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is uh, the one that is uh, leading the women's ministry at the Altamont. And um, what's uh, encouraging is just all the ladies she's able to contact with uh, she seems to be out in the morning, uh, eight o'clock and she is not back until the evening, uh, with all of her, um, phone calls and activities and visits and things. So it's, it's fantastic. And, uh, as a family, we're involved, uh, with, with Nathan, who's doing such an awesome job with AIM, uh, thanks. uh thanks. youth ministry there. And at the Altamont, it's, it's super encouraging. If you ever get a chance just to kind of drift by. Uh, Dan and Sean, I know Sean, you saw the early stages of it, but you know, come out for the later stages. It's just seems to get better all the time. So it's great to have you guys. Um, that and then just serving as an elder uh, for the last eighteen years, and then our our family's been going here for almost thirty years to BBC. So um, I'd like to say that was both when you guys were either <laughs> not born or <laughs> very young, but. Um, it's super encouraging. It's a wonderful wow. church. Well, we're grateful to have you with all of that history. Um, just for kind of a unique perspective with us today, Devin. Um, so maybe let's, let's just get into it. Those of you who are joining us on Sunday mornings, you'll know that we just started our new teaching series, and it's called The Household of God. And a little bit of a different spin than our typical teaching series is for the next six weeks now, six more weeks, it's seven weeks total. Um, what we're doing is every week we're, we're pairing one of our elders with one of our teaching pastors. And we're, we're talking about seven different arenas that make up what the household of God, when we say that we mean the church, the modern local church, what that should look like. Um, 
And that covers things like uh, discipleship and groups and worship and serving in ministry and whatnot. And the very first week, which Devin was a part of teaching through, was titled The Local Church. Now, if you um, have some history in in Western Christianity, you've probably encountered a variety of types of churches, you know, and even amongst similar denominations, there's just a huge spectrum of experiences when you go there on Sunday mornings and people will spend a lot of effort trying to determine what that looks like. You know, they'll look at uh, what other churches are doing. They'll, they'll go to big conferences and figure out what's the best way to do church on Sunday mornings. You know, they'll read books and pay professionals millions of dollars to get the most numbers. We uh, at Valley Bible Church actually encountered a really amazing resource, a bit of a, a well-kept secret that really is a great instructional of, of how to start a church and how to build a church and have amazing, tremendous impact all around the world and for e- the eternal kingdom of God. That resource is called the Bible. Okay. And, and, and I was going to say, I'm like, wow. Spoiler. My mind is blown. Uh, and you guys walked us through that uh, on Sunday morning. Um, a lot of in Acts, obviously, but elsewhere as well of as elders, which you're a part of, Devin, um, how have we looked at the Bible and pulled from that our instructions and our charges as far as leaders in the local church. So just want to thank you for doing that because you and Nathan did a wonderful job at the Altamont. And then again, here at the crossing the following week, explaining that, you know, that there's a lot of unique things about our church family in one sense, but at the same time, they're all based upon scripture and you guys did a great job just walking us through that. So if you missed that on Sunday morning, go back and watch that on YouTube because it's really valuable. Even if you've been a part of the church for a long time, I'm sure you'll learn something new um, or be reminded of something that you've forgotten over the years. So maybe just to start today, Devin, we wanted to ask you, um, because time is limited on Sunday mornings, of course, if there is one area that you touched on on Sunday that you would like to kind of unpack some more or that we didn't have enough time as much as you could have, you've talked forever uh, to, to keep unpacking as a church family, what would that be to start us off? Well, uh, when we went through the uh, local church, Nathan and I, Nathan did a great job um, just describing how it looked inside of VBC. Uh, there were a few questions that came up afterwards, and they're mostly around the topic of deacons. What, what, what? Um, why don't we have more deacons? Or do we probably have the same process to deacons as we do to elders? Or you know th- those kind of questions. So I, I thought what would be helpful is to just look at what the Bible talks about as far as deacons are concerned. And then um, I think that through doing that, we will, we'll answer those questions. So first of all, uh, the word deacon, there's just a couple of Greek words. And so I'm going to limit it to that. Those couple of words uh, means a servant or a minister. Um, it's translated like that when you see it in the text of the new Testament. Um, and there's another form of that word, uh, which is about what a deacon does. So there's the deacon is the person, the servant, and the deacon things that he do are, are the serving tasks. So it's translated like administration or administration care, contributing to support, um, all sorts of forms do having to do with serving, serve, serve, service, you know, all those things, minister, ministry. And then it talks about taking care of or waiting on as uh, some other ones. So when we look at all these words together, we can see that, you know, a, a deacon as a person is a servant and the activities that he does is, a ser- is serving. So you could say a deacon is a servant who serves. And that just kind of makes sense, right? So, um, but let's look at a couple of uh, examples of 
the person side of, of the deacon work. So in Matthew 4.11, it says that angels minister to Jesus. Same word. Mark 15.41, women minister to Jesus through supplying money to support the ministry. Romans 13.4, government agencies are ministering to people for their good. Ephesians 3.7 says that Paul was a minister of the gospel. He's God's servant to share the gospel. And then he said uh, in Ephesians 6.21, Tychicus was Paul's messenger servant. He would go fill in the details because Paul's letter is limited, so he wanted Tychicus to follow up on that. And then in uh, Acts 19, 22, Timothy and Erastus are described as those who ministered to Paul, deaconed to Paul, if you will. And then Matthew 20, 28, Jesus, it says that Jesus came to serve. So you can see there's a variety of people who are servants in this, in the, using that same limited word. And the reason I'm using that limited word is because of what we find in 1 Timothy 3, right? So then it looks at, we can look at the other word that's associated with, with so from that root word, deacon, is what did they do? And then in 2 Corinthians 8, 19, they, they delivered a collection of money to the church. Uh, Luke 8, 3, they contributed to the support of Jesus' ministry. Um, in 1 Peter 4, 11, they serve with strength supplied by God. So that, that um, verse in 1 Peter 4 is talking about sort of a big category division of gifts, speaking gifts and serving gifts. And then Ephesians 4.12, all the saints are equipped for the work of service, that same same word. And then Matthew 8.15, when, uh, when Jesus healed Peter's mom, and then she came, got up and waited on Jesus. And then the one example, I think, which most people point to as sort of a, a, um, a way of looking at why you would have deacons? Why would why would you want deacons? So that's an Acts six two example when it said that the elders were not to serve tables but to pass that task on to others, uh, and so the uh, church brought forth some men and that those were were like the deacons, right? So that's what they did. So the the thing you have to think about here is uh, we look at Acts fourteen twenty one and Titus one five, Paul says, I, we must appoint elders. So he's going around appointing elders on the church. And then he tells Titus, appoint elders on the island of Crete. So we can see that Paul, that's his administration from God to set up and establish the church. And appointing elders is a must. You must do that. But there's no place in there where it talks about appointing deacons is a must. So there's no requirement for appointing deacons, but there is a requirement for appointing elders. So the deacons serve, um, as we see in Acts 6, as an example, if you will, um, when there is a ministerial need. So we have deacons to meet needs. You don't always have needs long-term, whereas you're always going to have a care for the church, so you're always going to have elders. So that's why, in a sense, we don't have a formal deacon board, if you will, is that uh, we have them, in a sense, for things that are more long-term. Like we have deacons of finance. And we do apply the, the scripture in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, of what are the qualifications of deacons. And so we apply that when we add on new finance deacons, uh, uh, when one leaves, uh, maybe moves out of the area or something like that. So again, just to reiterate, there's not a requirement to have deacons, uh, but it sure is great to have those that we can call on, right, to help out in a ministry uh, lead. So 
you know, as we have more longer sustained needs, we should really consider um, uh, setting up deacons for those longer sustained needs. So I wanted to make that clear. Uh, hopefully that helps out with some people questions about that um, to talk deacons require for them and not. And uh, what are the qualifications as we read uh, in First Timothy eight, First uh, Timothy three eight through thirteen. No, that's great. That was so, that was so helpful. And I don't know, like, would it be, would it be fair and faithful biblically to say that while we, we may not have widespread, you know, people serving in the office of deacon, we've got tons of people deacon in all over the place, right? We've got, we got people doing all kinds of different service in official and unofficial ways. um, But, but they're not necessarily holding the office of deacon was that fair to say? Yes, definitely. That would be fair to say that we we do do that. And we we love the fact that at our church, people want to serve. And we want to encourage more, more and more folks, uh, as we looked at um, a part of our message that we gave on the local church, to, um, you know, figure out their role, figure out their part, and to serve in whatever that is. You know, you're gifted, you're important, we love you, um, you know, so figure out yeah, I love um, just that you point that out because uh, in one sense, some might say, oh, it's maybe you're missing out and not having deacons. But I think here at VBC, it's actually a beautiful blessing that we have a culture, at least I'm convinced you have a culture where, where people know they need to serve. You know, that God has gifted you to serve your church family and worship him by doing that. And so I agree with you. Absolutely. We have people deaconing all over the place. And even like you mentioned Acts 6, Devin, and I, and I love that because it's not just, oh, the elders shouldn't serve tables to get someone else, but specifically it's, hey, they said, we, it's not right for us to give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. They're just, they're doing valuable things with their giftings mm. already. And that's why we need deacons to fulfill the other needs. It's not because they shouldn't just do it. It's because you elders are doing things, the, the teachers who are teaching the word of God and exhorting, they're, they're already using their gifts in a certain way. And it's not good for them to not do those things in order to fulfill a lot of these more physical kind of hand-to-hand needs. So yeah, absolutely, I love that. Well, it's also that idea of the household that you're freeing up other people to use their gifts. If, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, called a, a jack of many trades and I can mm-hmm. do a lot of things um, just because I'm kind of like that. But, but the downside of if I do everything all the time, then right. other people aren't going to be involved. <laughs> And so um, I can see that there's um, there's wisdom just in, in using your gifts and recognizing what gifts you don't have, <laughs> and and what roles you don't have, so that other people can step in and serve. And I, I do like Sean, you were saying. I think um, by uh, we, by promoting that, by kind of inviting people to partic- participate and use their gifts um, in other ways, that you you actually promote a culture, a family culture that says, yeah, we, everybody's in on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, I know Devin, we got to get you out of here pretty quick. Cause you got, you got important things to do, but, um, just one quick question that may, that just a point of clarification and hopefully it's not controversial, but, um, so it, when you were outlining all those different uses, usages of the word deacon, um, throughout the new Testament, it seemed like there there was at least one example of of women um, being involved in in that role. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Just VBC stance about you know women being deacons. Yeah, so there is a passage in First uh, Timothy three eight where it talks about 
uh, women. Now, it's interesting because um, the term there sometimes is translated wives, uh, their wives, as if the deacons and their wives uh, did something, but the elders' wives didn't do anything. So it was a little bit odd to sort of pull that out. Uh, but I'm just acknowledging the fact that um, that there is uh, both uh, translations there. So in verse 11, it says, and the New American Standard, for example, it says, women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. And that's in the context where it starts out in verse 8, talking about deacons. It um, then talks about women, and then it continues on deacons, uh, husbands of one wife, etc., and so it seems, it seems uh, that generally you would think that uh, women can be as deacons uh, serving also. Um, and then it gives us qualification of, um, you know, being faithful, et cetera, uh, yeah. what they have there. And we have, we have, we have a woman on our um, finance team serving as a deacon. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So w- women can serve as deacons. Uh, that seems pretty clear there. Now, some people, again, say that's wives, uh, but um, it's really the generic term for women, which can be translated as wives. Yeah, it's a bit of a translation issue because in the Greek, the, the, there is no their pronoun used by Paul there. It just says the, the word woman, which I can't pronounce. <laughs> but then we translate it and then in English it becomes, <laughs> at least in the, in the ESV, which we're all probably reading, their wives. So it's confusing a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so generally, yeah, I think uh, women can serve as in deacon type roles and they would be qualified the term likewise there. So likewise to all the qualifications of a deacon, uh, who is a a man. Uh, yeah. Great. Really good stuff. Hey, uh, any, any last little bit of encouragement for the church family, just on this topic of the local church being the household of God, any, any final things you want to leave us with Devin? Yes, I, I do. I, I want to, I want to leave you with two things. One is a reminder for those in the listening audience who maybe just, you know, uh, podcast surfing, if you will, and landed <laughs> on your channel and, uh, or who have, uh, maybe not considered trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins to, uh, to, uh, to do mm-hmm. that today, you know, mm-hmm. to, uh, recognize that God has solved the sin problem that we all have and that they can, Turn to uh, turn to God and be saved through the, through the work of Jesus on the cross, and so just encourage them to do that. And the second thing I want to encourage is that if, if you have been, if you have committed your life to Christ, you have been baptized. To be baptized is a testimony of that commitment. We had uh, four people who are interested in being baptized as a result so far of the um, the the teaching on on the last couple of Sundays. So super encouraged about that, and we are going to have a a class on baptism. So we're going to have those people come through, and Nathan and I are going to be uh, coordinating that. So, um, yeah, if if anyone in your listening audience says, I, you know, I need to be baptized, haven't done it yet, have them send in a, an, an email to Dan at, no, I'm just kidding, to... Uh, yeah. Here's my cell <laughs> phone <yeah>. number. <laughs> online or admin at bbc.online, and, uh, and we will get in contact with you, and we will uh, let you know when those times are. And we're going to have a baptism. It's going to be a great celebration, both the Crossing and at the Altamont campus. Um, on November 27th. Looking forward to it. Wow. Well, Devin, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to uh, just join us to equip and encourage our church family. So thank you again for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. All right, we'll see you.
And listeners, you are still here. Yeah, don't leave us. Don't leave us. <laughs> because although Devin's time is very short, uh, today we have a bit more uh, to dig into. So we just want to spend just a few more minutes and uh, keep chewing on the local church a little bit, um, and specifically some ways that that we are encouraged by the way this plays out in both our church and the local churches around us, and maybe some areas for growth um, as well. So maybe to, to just start it off, what are some things that you guys think can... Uh, convolute the conversation when we're talking about the local church, you know, because mm. for some people, this can be such a hard topic to grasp. And a lot of, a lot of the times there's some, some deep hurt or personal history kind of interwoven with this topic. And so what do you guys think some examples of that might be? Yeah. I mean, well, there's two, two things. One, the idea of um, the church as an organization. Mm. And so, especially if you, if you've had an experience of a church that was, highly systematized and kind of uh, very interested in structure versus this idea of family. I think that's one, one problem that can happen because uh, systems and structures can either intentionally or inadvertently crush people yeah. or, or, or miss people or. Well, and, and not, not, I mean, not to say, not to overstate it, right? Because not to say that systems and structures are evil and bad, no, right. but they just can't be the main thing. Right. right, because within a family you have all kinds of systems and structures, but they're serving the family. They're they're yeah. they're they're only in place so far as it helps us be a, a more healthy family. They're, it's inherently relationship oriented, yeah, yeah, yeah. not uh, bu- bureaucracy to... oriented. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I and I that's that's a danger because of course you want things to go smoothly. Uh, you you know you want stuff to get done. Um, but I mean, imagine you know we're all, all three of us are dads. What what if we prioritized the doing of the household chores and 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 you know bills and things like that over the the life and health of our children. Mm. You know we could get things really cheap. We could get things super streamlined if we didn't mind our kids being in dangerous places yeah. or you know, you know, you know or, oh yeah like oh, or neglected. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, it's great. That's great. I'm so glad you said that because I, I think that it's tempting to kind of hold the church against two different analogies for comparison. And one, like you said, is often a business. Mm-hmm. And then we start comparing our metrics and our systems and our bars for success to what a business would do, which is obviously dangerous in some ways. Um, when in reality, we should be comparing it to a family. Mm-hmm. That's God's plan for us is, is to be his family. And then when you put it in those terms, something just becomes so simple and so obvious, right? Like um, we've talked a lot uh, about church identity, you know, and church goals and those kinds of things, which those are really important things. But we've all, we can all think of churches who place their, their, their goals as far as doing things or producing things or influencing things over their family, you know? And can we as, lose some of those churches? Let's just point them, call them out here. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. If you're listening from this church, uh, and, and, and in, in a church context, that becomes kind of a confusing conversation sometimes. And, and it's hard to sometimes discern the good from bad as we're pursuing some of those things. But then if you think about it in the context of your family, like, man, we all have things like that. Like if you were a family that loves sports, you guys love sports. Big time. If you decided we are going to be known as a sports family and that's what's most important and you start sacrificing the care of your children, like he said, or the time of your family or how you love others in pursuit of that, man, you are dropping the ball. It doesn't matter how amazing of a sports family you're known as, right? Or a music family or whatever it is, right? If it was a music family, you'd be like dropping the baton. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Instead of dropping the ball, which <laughs> that's is good. That's really a good. sports analogy. I would have said dropping the mic maybe. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you point out the other, I think the other pro- problem that that keeps people from engaging with how 
scripture sets up the church is if you've had a bad family, mm. if you've had a, you know, parents who were absent or harmful or, um, you know, just an unhealthy uh, home, home life, and then you're told that the, the church is a family and you're like, well, I don't want to be part of that because uh, I had a bad, yeah. that, that brings up a lot of anxiety yeah. for me. Like I've heard people say when, when they hear that God is a father, if their, if their father was abusive, like that is terrifying. And so the corrective is uh, the, the, this, this father is the best father. Therefore, his household, his family is the best mm. family. Now, do we always, are we, are we perfect? Uh, no. Just you read know, the New we'll, Testament. There's a lot of correction going yeah, on <laughs> right. from, from Paul. The goal is, though, that we are open to being corrected by the Father through the Spirit as we look at the model of Jesus. And so someone comes up and says, hey, you guys as a church leaders aren't are not living under the household that God has set up. And here's, look what you're doing. Here's what Jesus did. And if we look at that and we say, that's, we can say, that's correct. That's mm. right. That's right. We we're, we've missed the ball on that. Mm. Um, similarly, we, we can, um, uh, you know, we can say, well, this is what the world is telling us we should be doing, but this is actually how God's family works. So we can actually do some pushback, but the source is, the word of God that God has given us to set things up. And if we, that's why I think like if we, uh, if, if churches don't take seriously Paul's job, his two jobs I, I shared, one, to take the gospel of Gentiles, two, to tell everybody how to live together in this new blended family, uh, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, male and female, right? All these, all these different uh, divisions have now been um, harmoniously unified through Christ. If we don't take Paul's uh, picture that he got from the Lord, he says, this is his pattern. And we say, you know, let's come up with a new model. Let's do, let's do a business model. That'll work great. Um, or let's find some other model. Then we, we're actually not going yeah. to be functioning like a healthy family. Yeah. I think that's so good. And, um, and maybe we could just do a little exercise here, uh, where we, cause there may be some people listening right now that have that, that kind of baggage. Right. And so maybe we can just point them to a couple of places in the New Testament where Paul describes what this family's like, right? Because I think we can get off track this same way in a lot of different areas where we, we, we hear something, you know, from a biblical teaching or we come across a phrase or a word in scripture where we're like, oh, I know what that is. And that's, that's not good. I don't want that. And so, and I know there's something Nate you love to talk about is like, we, we bring so much baggage into our reading of the text and we're, we're, we're bringing stuff in, right? Isn't that called a eisegesis, right? We're bringing yeah. something in rather than bringing something out from the text, letting the text say what it needs to say. And, and I think we can't just ditch this idea of the church being a family. It's so central. Like if you read the new Testament, it is the most oft used description of what the church is, right? Cause the church is the bride of Christ. It's the yep. body of Christ. It's a pillar, a pillar and buttress for truth. It's, 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 it's refer- the temple, the temple yeah, it's referred to a God. lot yeah, of different yeah. things, but the yeah. most often thing it's referred to is a household. And not just, not just, um, not just clearly household, but all the other words like father, mm. brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. There's all, all this, there's a bunch of family terminology talk, that all puts yeah. to fa- it's family talk. So, yeah. so can we just pull up, like, let's just throw some stuff out. Cause we can kind of help, help people, um, you know, just get a, get a more biblical idea of like, what, what is, cause we understand your household experience might not be the best. All of us have have trauma and pain and and dysfunction in our family in some way, right? Obviously, there's others that have it to a more 
you know, extreme degree. And we, we want to be compassionate towards that, but we just want to also just like tell you guys, there's some great, <laughs> there's some really great benefits to the way if we, if we do household and family God's way, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, so we can't yep. just ditch this idea. It's like, I'm rogue. I'm going to be, I'm just going <laughs> to pop in and pop out and get my biblical teaching. And, and right. We can't give up on this it, idea. It, and I would even like make, make it more stark than that. It's not just beautiful. This is the, this is the reality that you were designed to live yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're meant to exist in this picture that God has given us for his church family. It, absolutely. There are like beautiful realities, but also it's like, this is what you're made to do. Yeah. You're put here. And the reason, one of the reasons that we're trusting that God has given us time before Jesus has come back is to do this, mm-hmm. is to be a church family in order to demonstrate his love to the world around us, right? Yeah. So I'd even say like a bigger like red flag of just like, man, this it is beautiful. It is beneficial. It's all those things. But also, man, like if you're not doing this, then you're not participating in God's literal plan for you're like your run, individual yeah, you're like life. You're running away from God's design, you know, yeah. and, and that's... Yeah. Just read through scripture. That's a bad idea. You, yeah, you yeah. find a lot. So what are some passages that come to mind that, that just kind of paint this picture, that household texts, if you will? I know we touched on a lot of them on Sunday, but... Yeah, I mean, I think Titus 1 and 1 through 2 is, you know, Paul telling Titus, uh, here's how to set things up in Crete, mm-hmm. <laughs> in these Crete, uh, these church families in Crete. And he says something similar in First Timothy. So uh, that's what uh, Devin had mentioned. And so, like, you know, well... Kind of think about it from the inside of a house. Hmm. Well, you're around the dinner table. Don't you want everybody to get food in a timely, orderly way? Do you want like food flying across the table? <laughs> some people not get any. There's, there's order. There's an order that's beneficial for everybody, right? And um, and you know, parents making sure their kid. You know, if you have a parent who's putting piling up their plate and there's nothing left for the kids, you got a problem. That's abuse. Yeah. Right. And so look at look at how look at how the overseers are painted in Titus, how these elders, mm. they got to be above reproach. Yeah. In fact, so an elder, when someone looks at the elder's life, they can't, they shouldn't be able to, to highlight a bunch of obvious problems. You're, you're selfish. You never, you're, 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 you're um, obnoxiously rude to people. Mm. You, you're always pointing out fault and never addressing your own issues, wow. right? He must not be arrogant or quick tempered. You don't want someone who's flaring up all the time. Uh, you don't want to assume he's drunk, who's who's so um, overcome by enslavement to a, some kind of substance that they're not able to serve wow. and care for people. So, I mean, just this is the type of dad you'd want to have, yeah. right? This is the type of older brother that would best benefit the family. So, it just makes sense. Yeah. And on the positive side, he says, they should be hospitable. These are the ones who are welcoming people in, who are going out of their way to, to care for and, and make people feel at home. And so, you know, I'm so thankful for our elders. I mean... Uh, all, all, every elders, to my knowledge, in, uh, in the VBC's family, not only is an elder, but they're serving in some ministry. Yeah. They're, consistently they're, they're consistently doing, doing serving. That. They're yeah. faithful to that picture you just painted. And what do you guys think? Do you think it's it's um, fair to say that whether you're talking about a family or a family of families, like like a local church is, do you think it's safe to say that the the health of the family? is a direct reflection of how faithful the elders are to um, the model that we see in scripture. Do you think that's true? Like it's a reflection? Yeah. Hands down. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hands, hands down. Because that's, I mean, that's the picture uh, that later on he says older men, you know, are, are teaching mm-hmm. younger men, older women teaching younger women. So there's this kind of like passing on the torch. So if the torch has not been received by the elders, that's not just the, notice that Paul, uh, that Paul puts uh, second 
the doctrine. I'm not saying it's less important, but I find it interesting that the thing he puts first is the character. Have they so got the story that it's transformed them? Wow. Then that's then you can be confident that what they're passing down, the 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 the, the truth of the family history, what we call the doctrines or the teachings about Jesus and what what he's what he's done, the, uh, the fulfilling the, the scripture, that that becomes credible because of my life. And so, uh, you know, we don't want the do what I say, not what I do. Yeah, yeah. We want to do what I do because of what I've received. And I want to pass on both you a life, a quality of life, a way of being, and the reason that I'm like that. Yeah. And just to your point, Dan, it's like, I think that at our particular church family, in our church family, we, uh, the elders hold that very tightly, you know, with protective hands, the office of elder, and we're not quick to appoint elders all the time. And I think that's really wise because they're very aware that Satan is working as hard as he can to cause disruption and sin and disunion in the church family. And the best way to do that is to corrupt it from the top down, you know? And so on one hand, it can be like, man, wouldn't it be great if we had five elders in the ultimate right now, you know? <laughs> But at the same time, I'm so grateful for their wisdom and discernment and really seeking God in that in that process and ensuring, like you just said, that 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 our the, the fathers of our household are are faithful men, you know, who are who are desiring to do this well themselves and model it for our church family. And can I can I just add something um, from personal experience? Uh, and and hopefully listeners know this, but the elders uh, at our church, um, let's see if I can name them all: Jim Janke, Devin Dodgen, Gary Stafford. Brent, um, Robry. Robry. <laughs> Sorry, Brent. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Uh, uh, Mr. White, Randy White, um, and Jason, Jason Wong. Wong. Is that we're at six now? Barley. Oh, and Tim Barley. There you go. Can't, can't you forgot your boss, dude. You're going to get fired. So I'm going to get fired. <laughs> so we got seven right now. Uh, Gary Darnell uh, just moved away. Jay Scott had moved previously to Texas. Um, so, but the elders are, are constantly on the lookout. For, for new elders, because that's what you want to do in a healthy family. Um, and I, I, I know I, I was part of a church at one point that was holding on to leadership because the older pastor was threatened by younger people. Wow. Because, because in, in, that, in, in one model of, of doing church, there is a CEO pastor and if you're the CEO, you don't want you're not looking for someone to replace yeah, yeah, you. You want, you want to, to keep forever. your job. I want to die doing this. <laughs> right. And so so there there's a subtle there may be a subtle, I'm not saying always, but there's a, there can be a subtle sense of I need to protect my job and not and that means if I if I'm encouraging someone to take over my job, then I'm putting myself out of job. Yeah. But that's not how the elders work. They're, they're not they're not it's not a paid position. They are constantly looking for who else will care for the 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 family by by demonstrating the life of Jesus and by um, holding firm to what they've received and has been so transforming so that others can also grow into that. That's so good. Um, I want to, I want to talk now just kind of as that is um, that model is set up for us. And as we have this um, just really beautiful picture of, of Jesus as our shepherd, right? That's what an elders are. They're over shepherds. So Jesus is the, is the head of the church. He's, he's the capital, capital G good shepherd, you know? And then underneath, um, we see in scripture that, that elders really are, are serving underneath Jesus to, to shepherd us as a flock. So as they're doing that faithfully, biblically, um, how does that play? How, how does that motivate us to, to, to live and treat each other as brothers and sisters? Right. And, um, and I was just 
I was just thinking about Ephesians 4, right, where Paul's talking about um, another analogy that we see for in Scripture that we're the body of Christ. Um, and really, as as a household, there's just some some really descriptive ways of treating each other in, in Ephesians 4. I'll just kind of pull out a couple a couple of these, right? So um, we are to treat each other with humility and gentleness and patience. <laughs> we are to bear with one another in love. Um, we're to uh, be unified and peaceful. Um, we are called to, um, to uh, use our gifts to serve one another, right? That's how the church uh, edifies itself is if everybody is, is working together as this body, right? We don't have these lame limbs and extremities that aren't doing their job, right? Everybody's engaged and involved using their God-given gifts to, so that we can grow up in love. I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful thing, right? Um, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, references to this new life that we walk in, right? That we were once, um, darkened and alienated from God. We were stuck in our ignorance. We were, we had hard hearts. We were calloused. We were giving ourselves over to every kind of sensual evil thing. But now that we are in Christ, um, we're we're made into new creations. Our old self is put away, right? And so there's all these other things. Hey, be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Don't let the sun go down, right? Keep short accounts. Um, work hard, right? Don't don't just uh, don't just expect people to t- to care for your needs, but 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 labor, you know, in Christ. Um, be careful how you talk, right? Let's let's speak to each other, you know, in ways that build up, not tear down. Let's give grace to each other, right? Um, put away bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and slander and malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive each other as Christ and God forgave you. I mean, that is, no one would ever read that and be like, ah, I don't want to be a part of that family. That sounds lame. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, everybody would be like, wow, dude, like that's what God means when he says a household, a family, like sign me up for that. Yep. Which like, it's just funny because we read through that. And on one hand we go, man, these are such amazing qualities. And at the same time we read through it and it's like, man, all of these can be summed up in saying Christ-likeness. Yeah, right? that's good. These are all things just modeled by Jesus. And yeah, he's just saying in this in this situation, be like me. In that situation over there, be like me. Over here, be like me. You know, it's like it's yeah. the one-hit wonder of, of Jesus, be like him. And yet it's harder than that, right? Mm-hmm. And I just reading through that, I think all of us, if we read that list, probably can identify an area that we did not meet the bar we wanted to in the last week, day, what yeah. an hour, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's one thing to think about as as participants in the church family, you know, is am I striving for these things with the people in my family? Am I both here at VBC and at home with your own family? Mm. Am I as a husband, as a mom, as a son or daughter, as a brother or sister, am I walking with humility and gentleness and patience? You know, am I bearing with one another in love? And, and then I, I love the, the emphasis on eager to maintain unity, you know? And as you just read that, I mean, I, this is one of my like, I, I think about this verse a lot. But as you're thinking about that, I just think, man, it's so sad because I can think of several situations in my life or in people close to me that I've witnessed where something happens, you know, and they kind of have this like agree to disagree type of mentality where they say, okay, I think it's fine for us to just not be as close as we once were now. I'm fine with that, you know? And I hear that and I'm just like, man, that that's not being eager to maintain unity mm. with that person. That's not bearing with them in love. 
You know, it's not hating them. That's true. It's not hating them. But I think Satan will use that all the same for 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 the purposes of disrupting the church family, mm. right? So a, ch- a, col- a cooling love. Let me, actually, this reminds me, I was going to read Romans 12, 9. Uh, let love be genuine. Mm. So uh, uh, abhor, this is, again, this is how the family is to be. Yeah. Hey, abhor what is evil. Hey, anything that's malicious, that's, that's, um, that word, that word for evil there is like the most common word for evil. It's just anything that's, that's, um, that's bad. That's oppo- oppo- yeah. Opposing goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be speech, it could be actions, anything. And we, and we can recognize it. It tears people down. It doesn't, it's not serving to, to heal or, you know, uh, uh, be kind or gracious. Hold fast to what is good. So there, so it's the opposite of abhorring evil is to hold fast to good things. The, this is what's good. Well, forgiveness is always good, <laughs> right? Kindness, gentleness, self-control. And he says, love one another with brotherly affection. So it's even beyond have that, have that deep, deep emotional feeling. So I'm not, if I have, if I'm loving someone with brotherly affection increasingly, then I can't let my attitude with them cool. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't just be like, oh, well, let's just, I'm writing you off. Yeah. 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 If you've had a bad brother. You might, again, you might <laughs> right. think, well, like I, I was sharing with somebody, Jesus says, whoever doesn't, this is translated, this is how it's, how it's translated. So I'm like, you know, whoever doesn't hate his father and mother for my, and fo- to follow me is not worthy of me, right? right? right. And for, for some Western Christians are like, well, I hate my family anyway, yeah, so, so it's easy, easy, check, you <laughs> right. know? And so Jesus was saying, hey, are you willing to give up your social standing, right. your connections, your financial stability, mm-hmm. follow me? Mm-hmm. But, but in this one here, so brotherly affection is a good, positive thing. We all have friends that we just, man, I would do anything for you. That's brotherly affection. I, when I think of you, I smile, right? And then he says this at the end of 10, outdo one another in showing honor. So that person I disagree with, but is a brother or sister in Christ, I need to fix my mind not to, ah, let's let, you know, we'll just be free to go our own ways. I need to say, how can I outdo the honor I show this person? How can mm. I, how can I show them that I'm honoring them? And that might just be like, I'm letting them have the last word, Yeah, you know? And I'm, and I'm saying, Hey, what you just said really, really cut deep, but I just appreciate you. And I, I'm thankful that you're a part of my family. Um, I want to, I want to find more ways to listen to be open to what you say, even though you've hurt me, or even though I've dis- I disagree with you here. Yeah. That's so mm. good. I mean, and I, I, I think there's, we could go on and on and on. I mean, there's so many passages in the new Testament that just, that just paint a picture of like, Hey, this, this is when God says household, this is what he means. And so just, yeah, if, if, if you do have um, baggage or trauma or, or things that you're bringing in, right. We, 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 we sympathize with you and, and we have compassion towards you, but, but um, kind of let, let your mind be changed, right? Like let, let, let your view of what a family can be, uh, be elevated as you yeah. read scripture. I love that word. Um, hey, w- one more thing you made me think of just then, because yeah. one more thing that could trip people up. Yeah. They could be hearing all this and say, look at all this stuff I've got to do. Uh, but guess, get this. These are house rules, yeah. meaning you're in. Mm. This, is not, this is not what you do in order to get into the house. <laughs> That's cool. Christ has freely given us access to the house. It's through, through trusting what he's done what the father has done it by sending his son to, to, to take our sins on himself. And just like Devin was sharing, he's, 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 he's solved the sin problem, but he's also solved the estrangement problem. Mm. He's also solved the hatred between people problem, you know, because of differences. Now, Paul, Paul says that the, the dividing wall of separation been broken has, down. has been broken down yeah. in himself. And so, so if you've trusted in Christ, do you have the spirit of adoption? The Holy Spirit has, a, 
has secured your place in the family. And so these are not, here's what you'd better do or else we're kicking kicking you out of the family. (laughs) These are things that you grow into as being part of the family. Like I talk about, you know, uh, what are their, our family um, uh, beliefs? Like I was talking to another family and they have a family question. They ask, how will X, whatever we're doing, how will this, how does this make us a better family? Mm. And if it, if it doesn't make them a better family, they don't do it. Wow. That's cool. And, and so that's, that's just a, an attitude. And, and of course, a, a one-year-old doesn't understand that sentence. So they, as they're raised in that family, they're, they're, they're seeing it modeled out. They'll talk about the mom, dad and mom will, mom will say, you know, I don't think this makes us a better family. And they might think, what's that question? And then someday they hear the phrase, hey, son, hey, daughter, we as a family are always asking what makes us a better family. You've probably noticed that. We want you to internalize that so much mm-hmm. that you're, you're in unique ways. Maybe you see something that would benefit us. Bring that up. Yeah. Be free. To, it's a freeing thing, not, a, not a, str- a stricture. It's a, hey, pass the salt kindly that's good, that's good. <laughs> so, that you, so that someone can get the salt. Internalize that love of, of others, that quick, quick to forgive, quick not to take offense. Yeah. Did you just invent a new word, by the way? Which one? I think you said stricture. It's a combination between strict and structure. No, no, it's a real word. Really? Yeah, st- stricture. Yeah. Wow. It's a stricture is like a is a, a is like a rule that that limits what you can do. Wow, that's that's a good one. I don't I don't doubt you, Mister. I like Mr. it. I like it. We we will get the fact checkers on that though. Perfect, we have perfect. we have a whole crack team of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I'm not so true, glad, actually. I'm so, I'm so glad that you you gave that example, Nate, because I think it speaks to at the end of the day, what is one of the core issues with someone's experience with the church family. And it's a heart issue. It's it's a perspective issue, you know? And you just modeled a great perspective as parents with raising your family. And, and I just want to say, maybe as we're getting ready to wrap up here, this, this discussion right now, this conversation we just had, probably won't change anything about the mechanics of this coming Sunday morning, you know? Something's going to happen, period. However... Your experience, listener, as you go and participate could be night and day. Even if nothing changes on the external, you might have a wildly different experience with this church family depending on your heart and your perspective. Mm. You know, this reminds me of like a marriage context. And the question is, because you reproach yourself, what kind of marriage do you want? You know, do you, do you want to be in a marriage where... Oh, it's date night and you're like, oh, I don't want to get dressed. It's a lot of work to shave. It's a lot. And I have that attitude sometimes. I'm guilty <laughs> of that. It's a lot of work to get ready, you know, and begrudgingly. Or do you want to be in a marriage where it's date night and you, man, I cannot wait to, to, to get dressed up for my wife. I cannot wait to go and take her out to dinner and all that kind of stuff. And even though the actions might be exactly the same, it's your perspective and your heart that will transform your experience. And consequently, how God can use you for the benefit of others in your church family. So all to say... Pray for the Holy Spirit. If you're that person that Dan was mentioning that you have some baggage in this area or you have some hurt or you're just wary, and I get it. There's a lot of reasons in today's world to be wary of things being told to you. Don't trust us. Just just turn to God's word. Read through some of the scriptures you mentioned. Pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal in your hearts maybe some of those areas, some of those hurts for you to work through. Show up on Sunday morning with a heart that's open and, and, and excited to do all those things Dan mentioned. Walk with humility and gentleness and patience. Serve one another. Participate in our church family. And just trust that God's going to use that because he tells us he is going to. It's almost like you're telling people to behold Jesus in his word and then just let the spirit of God transform their, their hearts into the same image. It's, am, I, am I overstepping that? <laughs> we're, we're really a one-hit wonder here on Behold. Uh, all right. All that to say, 
hey, we hope that this time has been equipping and encouraging for you um, on this topic of the local church. And of course, if you have any questions or there's things that we didn't address on Sunday or today about our church family, hit them with it. We're, we will never refuse to talk about any topic in the world or any question in the world regarding our church family, whether it's with one of us, the pastors, or Devin or the other elders. Just yesterday, someone had a question about how we do things on the teaching team and Tim met with them. And it was great from what I hear and we're always down for that. So hope to see you this Sunday as we dive into the next topic in the Household of God series, which is on the issue of discipleship. Bum, dun, bum, dun, bum. Dun. Yeah, it's going to be great. I don't know why it's ominous, but it feels <laughs> ominous sometimes for people. If it was ominous for you, maybe you got to check your heart, listener. Let, the, let that be a, a, a foreshadowing of what's going to happen on You Sunday. better check yourself before you wreck yourself, as they say. Are we like can we do a for lightning instead of foreshadowing? Yeah, or something? sure. Yeah. We the always can. Always. There's a teaser. There's there's <laughs> a there's a. All right, y'all. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you uh, join us on Sunday and then again next week on Behold. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash Behold. Catch you guys next week.